Girlfriends, episode number 62, Real Talk About NFP. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance and joy in family living. This week we're talking about never-ending winters, the drug that is sugar, and we're going to do our best to get real about natural family planning. Don't go anywhere, we're just getting started. Hey, girlfriends. Welcome back. Welcome to another episode of Girlfriends, the podcast. I'm so glad that you've decided to join me for another week. I'm always happy when we can get together like this on a freezing weekend. How's your weekend? How's your week been? Uh, We're freezing to death. (laughs) Yesterday was um, one degree. It was one degree. It went well down below that overnight. And we're still freezing to death this morning, even with the daylight saving time. Notice I said that right, daylight saving time. I have to make myself say it. There's no S on the saving. But anyway, we're surviving. I don't know about you, but I hear a lot of people complain about daylight saving time. And I love it. I mean, if we could have warmer temperatures, that would be great. But we get more daylight in my day. Like later in the day, the sun is still out. And that makes a huge difference in my psyche this time of year. I'm just like done with it. I am so done with it. Today, uh, this morning, I'm recording this on Sunday, actually. I I often record early in the morning on Mondays, but tomorrow I'm going to be leaving uh, for a work trip. So I'm squeezing it in today. But this morning, when we were coming out of Mass and just walking back toward the car, I just that frigid, frigid cold, you know, the pain on every inch of your skin that's exposed, the catching your breath because the wind is blowing so fiercely and so cold in your face. I am just done with it. And I was just overwhelmed with this feeling of like, we already did this. We're all set. You know, we're we're all set. It's mid-March. Time to be done with this. And yet here we go. So it's, I know a lot of places got some real cold this weekend in the country and some places are bracing themselves for some pretty big storms. So great. You know, one last hurrah with the winter. We can do this. I'm trying to give myself a pep talk. I'm trying to stay cheerful with my family and not be a drag about it, but it's a tough time of year. It's tough to get that final push through. But one thing that helped me was my daughter reminded me this morning that last year on this date, I was so sick with the flu. Um, For those of you who were listening way back then, I recorded an episode called Notes from a Sickie where you can barely even hear my voice. It's so bad. I was so sick. And so remembering that and made me a little bit more grateful for just being alive and well on this weekend this year so far so good with avoiding the flu, Um, but it is freezing. So I, of course, am planning a trip north. (laughs) I'm going to Montreal for a couple of days at the start of this week for work. Um, My company has some offices up there and we're having an international meeting and my kids are jokingly referring to this as mom's international business trip, (laughs) which sounds a lot more glamorous than schlepping four hours north and into even more cold and probably snow. I don't know what awaits me there. Um, But anyway, so that's why I'm trying to cram this in now, because I don't want to miss on my schedule. I'm like married to the idea of putting out a new girlfriend's every Monday. So working this out in between uh, baking a birthday cake for my daughter, whose birthday is tomorrow. She's turning 22. And every time I think that, I start singing that Taylor Swift song. Um, I've got to get it um, 
ready to play for during her birthday dinner. It's cheesy, but it's funny. Um, anyway, so we're going to celebrate tonight with her birthday dinner. And she always requests this um, coconut cake by Ina Garden, which is amazing. So deliciously good. And she loves it. And I pretty much just make it that one time a year. Sometimes I also make it at Easter occasionally for a summer party or something. It's such a beautiful cake. It's all white and just tons of butter, cream cheese frosting covered with coconut. And so I was just mixing that up to get it in the oven before I recorded here. And before I put it in the oven, I tasted some of the batter. Oh my gosh. Um, There's a lot of butter in there and there's a lot of sugar in there. And it like lit my brain up. It's so funny because I have been avoiding sugar for the most part. I mean, not 100%, but pretty doing a pretty good job of just cutting sugar out. And for me, that's what works. I think we talked about this before. I can't really just have a little bit of sugar here and there, you know, and be all casual about it because a little bit turns into a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And it couldn't be more clear to me, my body's reaction after having been away from sugar and feeling so good. Like, that's what motivates me. It's not like I'm suffering the whole time anyway. Once my body adjusts, I just, I don't really miss it. Except in that moment where I might get a taste of it. And like what happened with the cake batter, like seriously, it was like my brain lit up and was like, sugar, yes, you know, more, more, you know. And if you can relate to that feeling, then um, you too are a sugar addict. And it's something to think about. It's something to be aware of um, as you're making decisions about how you're going to eat. I know some people don't have that issue with sugar. I, I know that I just do. And if I let myself go there, like today, I'm sure I'll have a piece of cake later, but um, it just could easily become a downward slope, a downward spiral, you know, if I don't intervene, if I don't make a conscious effort to intervene. So yeah, sugar is a drug. It's a powerful drug and I am addicted to it. <laughs> I'll just admit that right here. If you too are addicted to sugar, share with me your thoughts about how you avoid it or what your strategies are for controlling it. I mean, we all know that a, a diet consisting of 90% sugar is not what's best for us. Uh, left to my own devices, that's probably where I would end up. So what I find um, helpful is to keep it down, like way, way down to like 1% sugar <laughs> and not be adding it to anything and avoiding desserts and that kind of thing. Um, but it was real, it was kind of interesting to me that my body had fully adjusted and yet I still could have that reaction to just a little taste of sugar. So... There you go. Um, all right. I don't want to spend uh, too much time chatting here. I did hear from a bunch of you supporting the idea of my chatting at the beginning of the podcast after I shared with you one listener's feedback that um, she, she would prefer to skip it and just get right to the show's topic. Um, a lot of you told me and, and affirmed for me um, what I was thinking, which was, this is how I connect with you guys. I, I like this. And I, I like to let you know what's going on in my world because I think you can feel more connected to me in that way and feel more comfortable sharing with me what's going on in your world. Um, you know, this is what makes it real to me. I'm not putting out a professional podcast, um, you know, to make you better at life or something like that. That's, you know, all about the tips and just get the information kind of thing. I really want to connect with you. And I think that's what's valuable about what I do here. So if I'm not connecting with you, I don't think I want to bother doing it, you know. Um, so anyway, I'm going to continue to do chatting at the start of the episode, share with you a little bit about what's going on in my life, but I'm keeping it limited in this edition because um, we're taking on a heavy topic and that is NFP and I have a feeling that's going to kind of go a little bit long and I don't want to make this a super long episode for you. 
I heard from a ton of you this past week on um, the financial planning, financial advice, budgeting, that sort of thing topic that we sort of took on from one angle with Sam Fatzinger last week. And I know you want more of that content. And I'm looking into ways to uh, maybe approach that subject a few different ways in upcoming episodes. So for sure, we're going to cover that. Uh, But This week, I want to focus on a question that I got from Jennifer, who sent me this email. She said, Danielle, I always look forward to your podcast each week, and I feel like I've gotten to know you. I'm sure you hear that a lot, and you may get overwhelmed by the number of friends you have, in quotation marks, around the country. I think one reason it's so easy to feel like you are a friend is the chat you normally include at the start of your podcast. This is what we were talking about. I know you recently mentioned some criticism about this, but I enjoy it. I admit there are times when I'm trying to squeeze in the podcast during a workout before my baby wakes up, but still, I love the personal touch. On that note, I have a personal question for you. If it's too personal or you don't feel comfortable sharing or responding, I completely understand. I just need a little support and encouragement in the area of NFP, and you keep coming to mind as someone who might be able to help. I have had my family planned out long before I met my husband. I grew up in a family with two younger sisters and was convinced that was the best plan for me as well. Well, I had my three, then five and a half years later, I had my fourth, and now I'm pregnant with my fifth. I can truly see the blessing in trusting our family planning to God. My fourth daughter, the one who will be uh, or, or who will be one in April, has already blessed my family tremendously. She's adored by the older three siblings, and although I'm biased, she's just about the cutest baby ever. After seeing all the benefits my older three kids have had growing up close in age together, we are so excited that my youngest will also get that chance. She'll have her own partner in crime. With all that said, as I look ahead, I still start to worry about exactly what God has planned for us. I am 35 and will be a new 36 when our baby is born. I already get the diagnosis of advanced maternal age on my chart, even though I'm quickly approaching or passing what the world says is a good age to have kids. I also know I have a good number of fertile years ahead. I don't know what to expect with NFP as I age, except that I expect it to just get harder to figure out. I know you mentioned that your youngest is 10 and that you're in your mid-40s, and I'm just wondering if you have any words of wisdom to pass along. Uh, One more thing. Do you have any tips for how to answer people who ask if we're done having kids yet? I'd love a good, simple answer that doesn't leave me feeling like a crazy person. Okay. Wow. Jenny so much I can relate to here. Um, I do get these kinds of questions a lot. First of all, I want to address what you you said about feeling weird about having, you know, quote unquote, friends around the country. It is true that uh, I do sometimes run into people who act like they're my best friend because they feel like they know me because I've shared online and through podcasts and whatever. But you know what, that doesn't bother me because, uh, you know, if they're relating to what I've shared in such a deeply personal way, then they get it. And that's cool. We're friends, you know. Well, I'm just starting to get to know them, but I'm really open to having that kind of relationship with them because I know they're already connecting with the things that matter to me because everything that I share is me. It's who I really am. And so if people respond to that and connect with that, then cool. We can be friends. So totally, Jenny. We're we're totally friends, okay? Um and so then the the question of NFP. Now this is such a huge topic. It's something I hear about from people all the time. It's something I personally deeply have struggled with in my own marriage. It's um, something that I've talked with friends about at great length. So I know, so Jennifer, you know, first and foremost, know that you are not alone in experiencing these feelings, in asking these questions, in having these anxieties, in having these struggles. It's a tough, tough topic, you know, um, and it's one that I generally have avoided talking about, mostly because I, I'm afraid of being misunderstood. 
I I don't um, I don't feel like I fit perfectly into one little notch in the vast spectrum out there of the NFP cheerleaders to people who say you should only use it you know when you're about to die or something. Um, so I I just don't feel comfortable taking it on, and people have strong feelings on all sides of it. But I think I I really I do owe people um, if if I want to truly be helpful to people in living out Catholic family life talking about this and talking about it openly and honestly. And, you know, I'm just going to share from you, from my heart with you about my own struggles with it and my own issues with it, my own hesitations about it. Um, But Jennifer, I totally understand that idea of um, kind of calculating <laughs> how how many children you could potentially have before you reach the end of your fertility. And I think that's a very human thing to do for sure. I have done that. I mean, we had our eight kids in under 12 years. So you can imagine <laughs> that I was 34 with eight children and this type of math that you might be doing in the middle of the night and figuring out, wow, God, God is calling me to have 28 children. I can't believe it. you know. <laughs> and I did do that. I did do that. And I did lie awake worrying about it. I did struggle with it personally, because, you know, your fertility is such a deeply personal thing. And it affects our lives, our day to day lives and our enjoyment of our lives. And, you know, the, the peace that we have each day is affected greatly by our fertility. And, um, and it's something that our culture tells us that we're meant to have control over. And that the church gives us a different message um, that, you know, ultimately we, we aren't truly meant to be, you know, 100% in control of that, um, that, you know, the church is teaching on being open to life. So for anyone listening who's not familiar with church teaching on this topic, I'll put some links in the show notes for just from basic information to help you to, to understand what the church teaches. But generally speaking, the church teaches that it is immoral to use any kind of artificial birth control. Everything from pills to condoms to IUDs and whatever, whatever other, you know, contraption they'll come up with. Um, all of that is, is immoral because it separates the, the marital act, sex, from um, one of its two primary purposes, which is procreation. The other primary purpose being unity between the husband and wife. So anyway, I'll link that up in the show notes. I'm I'm not, a, you know, a moral theologian by any means. And uh, so I'm not going to go into that in depth and try to explain it. But let's start from the, we're on the same page. We're, we're in the church, just like Jennifer is explaining and um, on board with using NFP. So NFP is natural family planning, which is a natural way of observing your symptoms of fertility and um, avoiding intercourse on days when you are fertile. So as to avoid becoming pregnant, or if you're trying to become pregnant, it also can be used that way, um, using the days where you have signs of fertility, uh, peak fertility as the times when you're most likely to conceive. It's a great thing. It's great information. Uh, There's wonderful science behind it. And yet we struggle with it. It's awfully hard. So, you know, what? I'm going to use as a guide for my comments here, um, an article that I wrote years ago for, let's see, I've got it up here on my screen. Yeah, back in 2011 was when I wrote this for Crisis Magazine, which was an online magazine I used to contribute to regularly. I don't do that anymore. Um, But I used to write about family topics over there. And um, I called this article, Five Ways I Don't Love Natural Family Planning. And I meant it, like, I just really struggled with that idea. And there were all these happy, clappy people around me talking about how wonderful it was for your marriage. And yet, sometimes that was not my experience. It was truly a struggle for me and truly a struggle for my husband. And, um, I, you know, it, I was left feeling a little bit disillusioned. Um, 
because you know i think there's that you know the people who promote nfp are have really the best intentions but <clears throat> in the end you know when people ask me do you use nfp yes i do do i recommend NF- nfp yes i do but do I see problems with the current practice and promotion of NFP in Catholic circles? And do I wish so bad that someone who knew better had been there to advise me at the beginning of my marriage? Yes, 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 yes. That is so true. I really do because I felt so disillusioned at times and I felt misled. And in a way that, you know, if I if I wasn't being very careful and cautious and talking to the right people, I could be led astray. I could have been led astray with that disillusionment. I could have said this, you know, this church doesn't understand me, doesn't understand real life. I'm, I'm out of here. Um, but of course that didn't happen. Thanks be to God. Um, so anyway, the first of the five ways that I shared that I don't love natural family planning. And now please, you know, if you are an NFP, you know, super promoter and you devote your life to it, I so appreciate you. And this is not a, this is not a dig on anybody who does that because I, I really do appreciate, you know, the good things that you're doing. But I think there are, there are people within the church that are kind of being left behind, um, maybe inside of our push to evangelize through NFP. Um, my first reason that I shared was NFP doesn't work well for everyone. Now, this is the one where people will tell me, yes, it does. You just need to learn to use it right. And, you know, all of that. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. But um, I don't think it's fair to just put the same label on everybody, that everybody is able to use NFP and that it will work well, perfectly well, 99.96% well for everyone. It's just not true when you're talking about what happens in the real world. And it certainly was my experience. I mean, I love my children. I am so happy that we have eight children. But um, many of them were not exactly planned. It wasn't exactly written out in in a scheduled chart. And thanks be to God, it was not because who knows what dumb plan I would have come up with. And this was God's plan. And it's for the best. But when whenever I was breastfeeding, I would have non-stop fertile symptoms. Non-stop. So where do you go from there? You know, really, really hard, even with the best of teachers, even with the best of books and supporters and online things and whatever. Still, I was always, I was always fertile, according to my symptoms. And I don't think that was true. It was just some hormonal situation because of the breastfeeding. Um, And I knew that I could get pregnant while breastfeeding because I did that about seven times. So, you know, it's, it's, it's not true the way that sometimes people promote it, that it works well for everybody. Um, and, and it's not fair to give people that idea because I was left feeling disillusioned and like, what's wrong with me? You know, um, you know, and I was being told NFP was going to be such a great aid to communication in my family when I was experiencing the opposite of that because it was a huge source of frustration when you're left with the choices of risking getting pregnant very close to having birthed a baby or practicing complete and total abstinence, which is a huge stressor on a marriage. I cannot emphasize that enough that, you know, a, a regular healthy sex life is an important part of a healthy marriage. That's the way that God intends it. So um, experiencing that frustration firsthand, but at the same time being told it should be working perfectly for me, you know, really just left me feeling like what's wrong with me. So, you know, if you're feeling that way, I want you to know you're not alone. I think things are a little better now than they were 20 how many years have we been married? 23 years ago. Um, you know, in that first decade of our marriage where I was really feeling like, can't figure this out. And, you know, just feeling so so little support inside of <clears throat> the communities that were promoting NFP. 
Um, the second point that I made in this article years ago was that NFP is not mandatory. We Catholics tend to think about it like it is, like because I think of our cultural notion of you need to be in control of your fertility. So the church says you can't use these artificial means, you can use NFP, you must use NFP. Well, you know what? I know families that don't use it at all. And yep, maybe they, they have different levels of fertility. Um, and or maybe, you know, when they're breastfeeding, it, it really it really works as um, preventing ovulation so they don't get pregnant and that naturally spaces their babies. Whatever it is, you're not required to have charts and stickers and check your mucus and take your temperature. It's not required. It's not part of being a good Catholic. Um, for sure, it can be part of it, but it's not a necessary part of it. And if you look at our culture, like the part that disturbs me about this is that with NFP, there's a real challenge to us personally, like we we are expected to have some measure of control because we can, you know, <clears throat> because science gives us this information because the church says we're allowed to use this, then the kind of the natural tendency, I think, among Catholic communities is this idea that then you should, then you should be controlling your fertility. It's the responsible thing to do. And for sure, I'm not going to talk about anybody's personal experiences or, you know, personal situations or circumstances. For sure, maybe it is the responsible thing to do. But I find all too often inside of Catholic communities, even inside of, you know, really close-knit, super hardcore Catholic communities, I've still experienced this idea of needing to control your fertility, that being the responsible thing to do. Talking, you know, leaning toward responsible parenthood, which is a church teaching. We are called to be responsible parents. We're called to be responsible in the ways in, in which we bring children into the world. For sure. But if you look at our culture, the problem is not that we're having too many babies. The problem is not, you know, that that we're um we're we're being too generous on the side of our fertility. You know, that is not the issue here. If you look at Western culture, that is not going on. So um that idea, that kind of pressure that sometimes even I felt it when I was having, you know, multiple babies in a short number of years, even from within Catholic communities, I felt that like, whoa pregnant again, you know, like that little bit of like kind of shame judgment made me feel terrible sometimes. Like I can't even get support in my own church, you know. Um, So just because we can have a measure of control here, just because we can and we have information and access to it um, licitly within our church does not mean that we have to. And I think too often we, we assume that we have to. Anyway, so, you know, that's just something to keep in mind if you're discerning whether or not to use NFP in your marriage, in your family, um, or struggling with the idea of using it. It's not required. It is not required. Okay. So um, the third point that I made about NFP, and this is something that bothers me quite a bit, is the idea that like we have no shame in talking about very deeply personal private things. I say this as I'm recording a podcast about NFP and sex, but okay, that said, I'm I'm not sharing my charts with you. I'm not, you know, not sharing my symptoms with you or posting photographs online. Um, but you know, I think that part of it is like even within our church, like we've accepted part of our culture, which is the sex saturated culture, right? This idea that you know we can we can talk about sex and be super casual about sex and not treat it with when I'm talking about shame, I mean a holy sense of shame. I mean a sense of reverence for something that's deeply deeply sacred and deeply personal respect you know the kind of respect that we should we should use when we're talking about these things i think that 
the casualness with which people sometimes share, even in mixed company, you know, men and women together in social situations. I've heard some uncomfortable things and a little bit of too much information sometimes about, you know, what's going on in people's marriages. And to some extent, I think that can be appropriate, you know, in small settings and, you know, among close friends or family members. And I think that can be helpful and supportive to share openly about some things going on in your marriage or some of your struggles with NFP. But I think uh, sometimes it goes too far and uh, too much, too much. I think that for sure we should be able to talk openly about sex, but in the appropriate situations. And generally those conversations, I think, happen best one-on-one. And, you know, a man to a man, a woman to a woman, um, like mentor kind of relationship where you can really share about those things. Um, but I think too much of our, our, even in our Catholic community, we've embraced that cultural casualness toward sex and deeply intimate things. All right, the fourth point that I made in this article, five ways that I don't love natural family planning years ago, was it's only information. Truly, that is all that NFP is. And I think we sometimes fall into the idea that and, you know, this is sort of an extension on the, the idea that it's mandatory, but we fall into the idea that this is part of an authentic Catholic identity, that we're using NFP, you know, the the charts and the temperatures and stickers and whatnot is part of how we identify ourselves as Catholics. And it's truly only information. Um, also, I think that a lot of the, you know, there's a million different methods that are promoted out there for different ways to use NFP. And I really encourage you, and, you know, getting back to Jennifer's struggles, I think she's she's looking for a little bit of confidence in whatever method she's going to use. There's so many different ways that you can track your fertility. I mean, I've never used the apps, um, but there, there are lots of people I know who use apps. Um, for sure, there's online stuff. There's... Um, you know, even just the basic old-fashioned couple-to-couple league, you know, using using stickers and temperatures and whatnot. Um, there's a lot out there. So I really encourage you to just explore the different ones and find the one that, you know, you feel comfortable with, that you feel confident with with using in your marriage. Um, for me, it really helped to get a fertility monitor. And this was more information, you know. It was helpful information. And for me, it made it... Um, during uh, times when, you know, deciding, you know, whether or not you're fertile on any given day, um, it made it helpful in my marriage for me to not be the person interpreting signs and symptoms and being the person who says yes or no to my husband. It was a machine (laughs) that was red light or green light. And you know, it's objective information. For me, that worked well. In our marriage, it worked well for me to be kind of personally removed. I think that I, with other methods where I was meant to be the interpreter of the symptoms, and um, we'll get to this other part in a, in a minute, but I wasn't great about making these observations. It's not something I have natural skills with. Um, but just doing, you know, first thing in the morning, doing a test, and then just knowing for the day whether you had tested positive or positive. Um, for being fertile or negative, um, just information. But then uh, some of the methods, and you'll find this, and maybe this is what works great for you, but this is what turned me off. Some of the methods, like talk about it like 
this method is going to enhance your marriage. It's going to be the best thing that ever happened to your marriage. It's going to enhance your communication. You're going to just love talking about it. And your husband's going to wake you up at 530 every morning with a smile and hand you the thermometer and gaze at you lovingly while you take your temperature. Like, you know, that's not reality, people, at least not in my life. And I just found myself jarring up against that kind of fake reality. For me, it was fake. Maybe some people are living that dream and it's great for them. I think that's wonderful. But I didn't like that it was being promoted as the one size fits all. And I didn't like that this method of tracking your fertility, which is just information, was within the method getting all wound up in these other parts of my marriage and being told that it was going to enhance my marriage in ways that it never would, never did, did the opposite, in fact. Um, so that I found super frustrating. So, um, and, and then when I was using this fertility monitor, I came across a few different resources in different NFP Catholic circles that were cautioning against the use of these fertility monitors, which for me were a lifesaver. You know, it was, it was such a help to me to have that objective information. And and yet they were cautioning against it because they said it was going to come between that all sacred communication between husband and wife, which was being produced by this NFP method. And my gosh, you couldn't be further from the truth. So I found that so frustrating that um, sometimes some of these methods, and this is why I want to tell you, shop around for the one that feels right to you. If it feels weird to you, if it feels like this is a bunch of couples that are living out marriages that are completely different from mine, then, you know, find a different way. There's so many. Um, you know, I, I'm going to encourage you listening. If you have, you know, particular links to, you know, various resources online or, or whatever you think might be helpful to people struggling with this issue, send them to me. I will be glad to share them. I'll be glad to compile them and, and share them in the show notes um, or share them in a future episode because this is something where I find people are really hungry for information. So, you know, keeping that in mind, it's only information. Don't let yourself get bogged down in that emotional drama and the emotional burden of the idea that this is supposed to be a fantastic help to your marriage when it's not, <laughs> you know, yes, of course, you know, you're going to be happier and, and healthier in your marriage um, if you're living in accordance with God's will. Absolutely. But the nitty gritty of that sometimes is going to feel really hard. It's really challenging. And if you go into it thinking it's all going to be hearts and flowers, as I think sometimes those books will make you think, then you're going to feel disillusioned. And that's a dangerous place to be. It's very dangerous to be taking on a hard teaching of the church, something that's truly countercultural, and at the same time feeling that that disillusionment, because the temptation there is to just throw it all away, to walk away from it. And I know people who've done that. And of course, I don't agree with their decision, but I do understand where they were in that moment. So, you know, for what's best for you and, your, and for your marriage, remember, it's only information. Find the right way of finding out that information for you and for your family. All right. The last point that I made in this article years ago five ways I don't love natural family planning was temperament matters. And it truly does. And I find that a lot of times the various methods, and especially, you know, in those, in those early years when I was married, we were married in 94. I think we were at the peak of these methods that sort of treated everybody as if they're the same. And that's a dangerous thing to do because not everybody's the same. We all have different temperaments and that affects how we experience things. That affects the kinds of challenges we have um, inside of our marriage and otherwise. So um, some women I know love tracking their symptoms. 
they're like, they've got this scientific nature and it comes naturally to them. They're super observant. They, you know, they like making the chart. It gives them great satisfaction to track their temperatures and, you know, whatever method they're using. And that is so great. I'm so envious of people who enjoy that process because I don't at all. And I know other people who don't either. You know, if you're already living out a chaotic family life, it's hard to be like a scientist about your symptoms and things are going to get messed up and you're going to miss something. And if you're talking about something that's truly important to you, if it's truly important to you at this stage in your marriage to avoid pregnancy, then, you know, it takes a lot of effort to to give it the attention that it needs in order to um, make that happen. So, I really didn't enjoy that. And it really was hard for me, as evidenced by the fact that I really was so terrible at NFP. Thanks be to God, I was. But, you know, I I think you need to appreciate that when you're teaching people about how to use NFP. And, you know, not talk to them like it's a one-size-fits-all, because there are different ways of doing things. And, um, you know, for me, it wasn't about doing stickers and charts, and I needed a much simpler method. And I ended up finding that place between the fertility monitor and um, becoming just more experienced at observing my own symptoms. I know Jennifer asked about, you know, knowing that I'm in my mid-40s, and I had my last baby 10 years ago, like, I can read between the lines there, Jennifer, you're like, how? (laughs) And and truly, I mean, I I can't, you know, tell you exactly what will work for you. But for me, it was kind of combining um, a number of different systems, there's no one size fits all and, and understanding that come to a place where I could understand that. And also coming to a place where my husband and I were really on the same page. And he for, you know, the first time in our marriage was serious about, you know, the fact that we're, we're truly going to avoid here. And I know it's going to, um, it's going to cost us, it's going to be a sacrifice. You know, we, we did abstain um, for close to a year after Danny was born. And that's because my husband was so, so adamant about the fact that uh, we avoid pregnancy at that point. And, um, you know, that was, I don't recommend that to anybody. I don't. That was a very stressful time and a really difficult time. But we came to that place because of understanding the gravity of our situation for a number of different reasons I'm not going to go into here, but we we made that decision. Um, and being on the same page about it and being serious about it made it possible, didn't make it fun, didn't make it easy. And, um, you know, we didn't handle it perfectly, but... So, you know, coming to that place, and I think that's what I would really encourage you to do if this is something you're struggling with, is to make sure that you're on the same page with your spouse, because that's how you can really take on those those harder challenges is, you know, being on the same page and reminding one another what, what your, you know, what your goal is and what what you've decided together. Um, so, you know, that kind of temperament matters. Um, also, you know, some couples just do struggle with the amount of sex that they're allowed to have just, you know, that's just how it is. And, um, you know, sometimes it's the man, sometimes it's the woman, um, sometimes it's both. And people are all different about that. You know, some people are okay um, with less sex. And some people really, really feel like they're not okay without a lot more. And that's part of how God made us. And that's part of how God made us different. And I really do, I honestly believe this is part of God's plan for our marriages and for our families. So if abstinence is a real struggle for you and your spouse together or one or the other of you, that might be part of how God is planning your family. Believe it or not, you know, making this abstinence super hard for you, making it, um, making your temperament and, you know, your particular personality type, um, 
struggle with that so deeply, it might be part of how God is planning your family. I certainly know that that's, that's one of the ways that God has worked in, in our marriage, in our family, that we wouldn't have, you know, if, if abstinence was super easy for us, we wouldn't have all these kids. We just wouldn't. You know, if I had to like go into a room and lock the door and, and like, you know, push a button to have a baby, like be that deliberate and, and you know, willed about it each time, I could not tell you how many babies I would have. And that would be a sad, sad, empty thing in my life. So God has a beautiful plan for you. And it might involve some of the struggle that you have with abstinence. It might be him speaking to you through that. Um, But that's not to say that, you know, because you struggle with abstinence, that means God means for you to have another baby. But it's something to keep in mind if, as you're struggling with that, if you're struggling with that, if you've struggled with that and you find yourself pregnant and you didn't want to be and blah, 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 and all that, all those feelings are coming back. Remember that this might be part of how God is shaping your family and how he's, you know, planning the family that he intends for you to have. And that is part of natural family planning. That is part of how it works. That, you know, that I, I truly believe that the fact that, you know, with the, what is that called? User effectiveness being so much lower than the clinical effectiveness for avoiding pregnancy. That's just how God works in your marriage. And it's actually a beautiful thing. It's actually a wonderful thing. It's actually part of that openness that we have and that we're meant to have with regard to our fertility um, when we're using NFP, when we're trying to be faithful to church teaching on natural family planning. It's very normal, I think, to struggle with that. But just, just remember that sometimes God is working with you and through you, and He's planning your future and your children's future through that struggle that you're going through right now. Okay, so those are the five ways that I wanted to share with you. So just to recap, um, first, NFP doesn't work well for everyone. Go ahead and argue with me, and I will argue back. (laughs) Okay, second of all, NFP is not mandatory. Third of all, have we no shame? Fourth of all, it's only information. And fifth, your temperament matters. Now, with all of those said, um, I do want to recognize the the beautiful benefit we have in even having access to um, the science and the information behind natural family planning methods today. Future, you know, past generations were not so fortunate. You know, I'll, I remember once years ago um, we had some, you know, a group of people over, I don't remember what the event was, but a bunch of Catholic couples we know. And one of the guys who tends to talk a lot um, was going on and on about how much he hated NFP and, um, and, you know, just not, it was, you know, going back to that, have we no shame, like that conversation shouldn't have been taking place. But anyway, he was talking about it in, you know, just super negative way. And he, you know, was, was frustrated, obviously. And um, so just talking like that about it. And I remember my, my mom happened to be at this event. And it was later on, she told me, she didn't say anything in the moment, but she said to me, you know, I couldn't help but think, you know, that's a really spoiled attitude to be resenting natural family planning, resenting NFP, because what do you think other people had? You know, my own parents, um, they, they they had, you know, the rhythm method, but they didn't have what we have today. They certainly didn't have a fertility monitor. And um, what about generations before that? You know, how did Catholics live? And I think the answer truly is that they sacrificed a lot you know, if they truly felt they had grave reasons to, you know, limit the size of their family or, or you know, have space between children, then they sacrificed a lot. And there was a lot more abstinence going on at the time than what we consider normal. 
And I think that's part of the problem is when we're talking about natural family planning in today's culture, we're coming at it from our culture's perspective, from the message that our culture tells every one of us that we have a right to sex at all times, all access, all the time, Um, everyone, that's a basic right, you know? Well, that's actually not true, and that's not the church's teaching, and that's not what God's plan is for you. So recognizing the parts of our culture that we've absorbed and that we consider normal, I think is helpful in kind of shifting our perspective, shifting our attitudes toward NFP, because, you know, we might struggle with it. It can be a huge burden. You know, I'm not belittling that at all. I've shared a little bit about my own frustrations with it. But end of the day, it's a huge blessing to even have this information, to have access to this information, you know, um, and just, you know, think a little bit about what your assumptions are. Like, are your assumptions that you should have unlimited access to all the sex you want within your marriage without, you know, ever having to sacrifice uh, for your family? That's that's probably not a reasonable expectation. I know it's one that our culture teaches us. I know it's one that our culture promotes every person to have. But check yourself a little bit. Check what your attitudes are and kind of line them up against reality and, and see if they match up. Because a lot of times I think we absorb parts of our culture and we would say, oh, no, I'm a Catholic and I reject our cultural message about sex. But do you really? You know, um, I know for sure I have done this little matchup in my mind before and thought, gosh, you know, my problem is not with whatever, you know, NFP method or whatever it is that I'm struggling with right now. My problem deep down is that it's God's plan for sex and marriage. Like, that's my struggle. The fact that that sex is tied to babies, that, you know, sex is tied. It's got those two primary purposes of unity and and procreation. And at at times, all we want is that unity without having to worry about the procreation. And our beef then isn't with NFP. Our beef is with God and his plan for sex, the way that he designed sex and marriage. So, you know, being honest with ourselves about that and coming to terms with it like that, from that perspective, I find is really helpful. It's a good kind of attitude check. Maybe not, you know, maybe you don't want to have this argument in the heat of the moment with your spouse when you're both frustrated. Um, But maybe talk with your spouse about that. If it's something that you're struggling with, just, you know, talk about God's plan for for sex and marriage. And um, if that's truly where you're struggling, address it there rather than griping about um, NFP. So anyway, these are my thoughts, and uh, my experience tells me that people have their own thoughts about NFP. (laughs) I have been inundated in the past. In fact, this article that I just shared with you from Crisis, um, I hesitated to share it because I didn't want people's negative reactions. You know, people from all over, you know, from both sides of the spectrum, uh, I think have... the potential to get angry when people share openly about their experiences with NFP. You know, you've got the people on the one hand who say, why are we talking about NFP at all? Nobody should ever be using it. It's immoral and it's wrong unless you're, you know, you have terminal illness or something. And then there there are people on the other end that get angry and defensive if you, you know, dare be critical of natural family planning or the way that it's promoted or talked about because it's all happy, it's all shiny, and it works perfectly for everybody. So stop complaining, you know. Um, And I did have the experience of back when this article was published, it was picked up and used by Catholics for Choice, a horrible ridiculous group that um, calls itself Catholic, but at the same time is pro-abortion and pro-contraception. I don't know how you reconcile those things. (laughs) But anyway, um, that was deeply upsetting to me because, you know, it sort of reinforced for me, like, I don't want to 
speak out about these things because people are open to interpret what you're saying in different ways. And, and honestly, I mean, there's a message that I think people in the heart of the church need to hear with regard to NFP, and that's what I've tried to share here. There's a message that people outside the church need to hear with regard to NFP, and that's a very different thing. Um, so, depending on who your audience is. So, you know, I didn't write that article for people outside the church, but it was picked up by that and used for their own um, evil purposes. So, um, you know, all of that said, I'm just sharing this with you, just trying to be open and honest um, with my thoughts and experiences with regard to NFP because I think there needs to be more of that. I think there needs to be more open, honest sharing in appropriate ways, in appropriate settings, um, with the real struggles and trials that that everyday Catholic couples have with regard to NFP and, and using it um, other, you know, outside of those statistics that you hear everywhere about how it improves communication and marriage and how it's 99.96% effective for avoiding or achieving pregnancy, depending on what your goals are. So, you know, just a dose of realism here, but I hope you'll share with me what some of your experiences are, what some of your challenges are, what what recommendations and advice you have for people who might be challenged now. And just as a parting thought, I just want to share with you the idea that, um, you know, I can totally relate and I completely understand that kind of lying awake anxiety feeling that some of us have with regard to NFP, with regard to being open to life. It's scary. You know, I understand that. And if you're feeling that way, know that you you're normal. It's normal and it's okay. And it doesn't mean you're a bad Catholic if you struggle with those kinds of feelings and reservations with regard to your fertility. This is such a big thing. And I think it's it's important to recognize that turning over our fertility to God in whatever way you do that, whether it's using NFP or choosing not to use it or whatever, that giving that that kind of trust to God is what we're all called to do. Ultimately, it's what we're called to do in all parts of our lives. And, but doing it with, in regard to our fertility can feel so scary sometimes. But you know what? I personally can tell you that it was almost overnight that I kind of had a change in my own perspective on it and my own thoughts and feelings about it, going from lying awake at night, you know, thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to have 26 children and whatever, um, to going overnight like, oh, maybe I have had my last child. Maybe that's it. And coming to terms with that idea, um, you know, I'm, how old am I? I am 44. <laughs> um, and I still, I mean, I have regular cycles, so I mean, it could easily get pregnant at some point here. But uh, so far, that's not in God's plans, and it's not in our plans either. But just that knowing and, and being open to what the future might hold is scary. Sometimes it's a scary step to take. It's a scary move to make. It's scary to leave yourself vulnerable like that. Um, but of course, that's what God's calling every one of us to do. And the good news is, He's got this. He's got this, whatever the future is for you and for your family, for your family size. He knows all about it. He has a beautiful plan for it. It may or may not match up with what your plans are. Those great, perfect, detailed plans that we sometimes write up for ourselves, they don't always come to pass. And thank goodness they don't. I'm here to tell you, thank goodness they didn't in my own life. And and thank goodness they won't in, in my future life. I'm I'm really, you know, open to, to trusting God in that way, but knowing full well that at certain times it is a struggle, it is hard, it is scary, but that's what we're here for. That's what we're here for each other for, to share openly and honestly about that and support and encourage each other through some of those anxieties. And now before we go, I want to give a shout out to Amy, who's the newest uh, girlfriend supporter on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash girlfriends. Um, we had one of our girlfriends live 
uh, sharing sessions, video chat sessions last week, and I was thrilled to be able to connect with some of my Patreon supporters in that way. That's a benefit that you get if you make a pledge in any amount to the Girlfriends Podcast, then you get an invitation to these monthly video chats. And this past week, we we talked about um, struggles in finding friendships and supporting one another. Um, we talked about handling criticism, um, and also some of the things that relate to this week's topic, which is um, one, of, one of the women who was present there was kind of deciding in, you know, struggling in, in decision-making process and deciding whether or not it was time to have another child and be open to that, um, kind of going through that process and discussion with her husband. So, you know, those are an opportunity for us to connect in a real way. And I, I love being able to do it. So once a month, um, those who are supporters of the podcast on Patreon, uh, that's one of the benefits you get with a pledge of any amount. It can be as little as a dollar per episode. Um, go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash girl friends and a pledge of any amount, you'll get an invitation to next month's video chat session. I'd love to have you join us. And now, thank you for being here. Thank you for all the ways you encourage and support me, all the different feedback that you give me and the links on social media. I appreciate it all. And I appreciate you helping to get the word out about girlfriends and introducing other people to the podcast. It really is the most valuable thing that you can do to help encourage and support this podcast is to share it with other people. Word of mouth is so valuable. I know personally that if I see a link to a podcast online from some random stranger, I'm probably not going to check it out. But if a friend tells me or if a friend posts the link um, and lets me know that it's something that they enjoy, then I probably am going to check it out. It's just so valuable. So share the podcast with your friends. But thank you just for showing up. Thank you for being here. Thank you for connecting with me. Thank you, Jennifer, for sharing your question um, and your feedback in a way that prompted this week's show topic and discussion. And I look forward to hearing from you. You can email me at danielle at daniellebean.com. You can leave me voicemail if you go to daniellebean.com and click that tab on the right-hand side saying leave voicemail. You can always comment on the show notes or connect with me via social media or Voxer. I love to hear from you in all the ways, whatever way you want to connect. I would love to hear from you and get your feedback on this and other topics. So thank you again for showing up for another week. I'm so glad that you've been here and we've had this opportunity to be together. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a daniellebean.com production. Know your worth, find your joy.